familiar part of the story, Nicodemus. We're uh, taking a break from the Matthew uh, series and uh, going to do a three-week Easter series called Jesus, Man, Myth, Messiah. And with that, we see that uh, Nicodemus is, comes onto the scene and he is trying to figure out who is this man? I mean, what is going on? If you have your Bibles, there went mine, but if you have your Bibles, I'd encourage you to turn to John chapter 3. Thanks, Marvin. John chapter 3. Thank you. Again, many of you have been through these verses, but I think as we look at our day and we, we look at our times, no matter when we are living, uh, we have a Nicodemus quotient. There is something about Nicodemus that should intrigue each and every one of us. We may not have his resume that we'll look at here in a moment, but we have the understanding that God is continually training us and growing us. We've accepted him, we've received him, we've received his spirit in us. There's the constant battle between flesh and blood. The spirit is always drawing us to the son. The son is always drawing us to the father so that we might have relationship. And at that point, we are also to uh, be able to share and question Today, devotionally, the, the, the questions that we have out of the Nicodemus story, we're going to make personal. I think it's important to internalize a character. When we look at a biblical character, it is good for us to understand the context and understand uh, what that person is going through. But how did they experience Jesus? And then now, how do we take that passage and learn of that experience? and emulate that experience. Uh, Nicodemus comes on, and we see that he is a teacher. He's a Pharisee. He is uh, one that is uh, pretty popular. The passage there says, Now there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. Can you imagine they had dealt with the messiahs that would come into town, that were, they were trying to do tyranny, they were trying to take Rome by force, and here is this man of love, this man of just to the point, and then his point was so far above the understanding uh, of, of the common folk, and now we see that the teachers are now questioning. It says that he came at night, and we can certainly, we can certainly look at that here in just a moment, but he, he's coming to him to see who he is. We can, each and every one of us can understand that there must have been a man, we don't even argue about this anymore, that there was a historical Jesus, that there was a man, and the search is now for Nicodemus to figure out who this man is, who he can, how he can perform things. We see the resolve. We see the resolve of the we. Now, next week, we're going to get more into the we, 
of, of who Nicodemus is talking about. But there were a collection of folk that were beginning to start looking at this rabbi and looking at the miracles that he was performing, and they couldn't, they couldn't just, just let it go. They couldn't just answer it away. Oh, we see later in the Gospels that sometimes they would say, well, you know, it must be Beelzebub, you know, the only way that he could do miracles. We see those arguments. But what is so awesome about Nicodemus is that he may have gone on a, a particular mission. He may have, you know, they may have talked, and he says, well, I'll go talk to him. But I think we still get this hint of secrecy. I think there is a, a hint here from the Gospels that, that he, uh, again, went in a, in a way to try to figure out what was going on. Now, he is, his resume is he's a Pharisee. Pharisees, they, they, we sort of give them a bad rap, but I would say that we should probably look to them to say, can you imagine Jesus coming onto our scene, and would we think he's also a madman in our scene? If we, if God would have waited for our generation to say, now here's the Messiah, here is the passages of Scripture that we can prove, we, each of us, would begin to question, oh gosh, another lunatic, another Messiah, another person. But then we would begin to investigate exactly what he's doing. And we would begin to say, maybe this is more than a man. Or maybe there is something to this man that needs to be investigated. So he's, uh, he's a part of, of this Pharisee. They made sure that they kept every letter. They kept, made sure that their righteousness was, was steady. They were an example to others. Now, we know that Jesus did plenty of um, verbal spanking or realigning them. And that's what, on a human plane, we could say probably put him on the cross because there was challenge. But Nicodemus is coming at, at, it, at, it, at it intellectually. You see, he's also a part of the Sanhedrin. Now, the Sanhedrin was like the best uh, parallel for us is like the Supreme Court. They were the judges. There were 71 of them. There were judges, and they would make the laws. We know that uh, we just, we just came, came out of the, you've heard it's been said in our Matthew series. I encourage you to go and get that off the Internet or on the app. Jesus said, you've heard it's been said for years. You've heard it's been said through this rabbinical school and this rabbinical school. But then he started using this language, but I say unto you that had to rock these leaders' world because what Jesus is doing is he's showing his resume. He's showing his prominence. Now, you see that also Jesus, a little later in the text, calls him the teacher of Israel. I've got a, a friend who uh, is a professional soccer player, and he's just good. <laughs> and when you get to the professional ranks, you are the 1% of the 1% of the 1%. I think each of us would love our daughters to be professional ballet, or we would love our grandsons and great-grandsons to become you know, professional baseball players. Nicodemus was the 1% of the 1%. There's a little chart you'll see. There's, there were about 6,000 Pharisees. There were 6,000 Pharisees. Then there were 71 of the Sanhedrin. 
Nicodemus is number one. He is the teacher of Israel. He is the go-to guy when you have the debates. He's probably, um, if, if, if those of you that are, uh, understand the, the whole Catholicism and the papacy, Ratzinger, Pope Benedict, the one right before this pope, Pope Ratzinger was a scholar. He was not a parish priest like the one that they have now, but he was a scholar. And Ratzinger was probably one of the great scholars or the best-known conservative scholar in Catholicism. If they were to gather, right, you'd probably have, you know, Gandhi. You'd probably have the, the high Muslim cleric, the one that's, that's probably blind, but he has memorized the, the Quran and, and they listen to him through tapes and so forth. You'd have Billy Graham there. You'd have the current Pope. You'd have, you'd have Nicodemus. Nicodemus would be a part of this kind of global type of elite leadership. And what I love about this is that Nicodemus, the one who is the master of the word, is now coming to the word. He's coming to the one who spoke the universe into existence. Now, he doesn't fully know that yet, but we see in the text that he came to Jesus at night. I'd like to stop there devotionally for a second. You see, Nicodemus must have been in some level of turmoil. We will see that in the coming weeks, the next two weeks. We're going to see the, the increase in the intensity of what Nicodemus had, must have been going through because he was first curious about the man, and then he begins to, next week we'll see how he begins to investigate the myth. And then he, on Easter Sunday, his life must have been changed, much like the disciples, when Jesus rose from the dead. Those that are not familiar, we're going to find in two weeks that, that, that Nicodemus was a part of, of providing the, the expensive preparation for Jesus' body and assisted him in the borrowed tomb. You see, Nicodemus, we see this beginning tension, so he comes at night. I would like to suggest to us this morning that, that we need to, to talk to him in our darkness. We need to begin to talk to him in in our darkness. Now, darkness doesn't necessarily have to be the morose darkness, but it can certainly be in the darkness of, un of, of misunderstanding, the darkness of not understanding. You see, many of you have embraced Jesus, and you've done what the church has asked you to do, but I bet there have been times in your darkness that you're wondering, you're questioning you're trying to figure out God. You're trying to understand what is it that he's exactly saying or what, where does it apply in, in my life and how do I get through this darkness? St. John of the Cross called the dark night of our soul. It can be everything from grief to, like Nicodemus, questioning. You see, I think we need to talk to him in our darkness. Why? Because I think darkness brings out our best questions. Have you ever been up all night and your mind can't settle down? 
and you start asking those questions. You see, God desires those questions. But I think many of us kind of put that as a reserve. We're not too sure if God wants our questions. Oh, I think we believe that he can handle our questions. But we, we kind of just keep that to the side because we're supposed to be something more. And what Jesus is going to teach us and teach Nicodemus is that it will continue to be all about him and that he desires to be the center of our life, the center of our darkness. We won't spend a lot of time in the latter part of this chapter, but as the movie portrayed and as the text says, light came into darkness. Jesus was the light, the light of the world, who spoke light into existence. Then the word became flesh and then dwelt among us, John begins his, his gospel. And now he desires to bring light to our situations. Jesus loves when we have questions in our darkness. He loves when his children continue to bring out those things so that, that he may grow us. Many of us have matured through our spirituality and our Christianity because we finally bought into the fact that suffering, pain, questioning, all of that makes absolute sense. Even though we say to ourselves, how does this make any sense? You see, God desires for us. And then before we get into the, the conversation, I think it's important for us to to know that we must talk to him privately before we proclaim him publicly. We don't have a tremendous record of the Gospels, but I'm one who, is, who believes that Nicodemus bought in to Christ. He bought into him. We don't know the rest of his story. There are some Gnostic Gospels and some historical Gospel, the Gospel of Nicodemus and so forth. But what we do know is that in this narrative, Jesus was now teaching the teacher of Israel. He says, Verily, verily, I say to you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again or born from above. And you can say again, born again and above. The, the word is, is it's fine. You could say, it may, it may even be better to say both, to be born again and born from above. This was the teaching. You don't see a lot of words. Now, Matthew may have edited. We'll give him that. But let's just say that Matthew is giving us this word-for-word -word account. Nicodemus does his intro, and Jesus gets right to the point. As a matter of fact, I think when we approach Jesus with our questions... He will always go to what we need most. Isn't it amazing how we can't get free from some of the thoughts? They were like, no, I've been thinking that. And then you'd, you'd, maybe I'm the only one in this room, but I'll be like, okay, you know, Lord, I mean, we're looking at this and this, and it just seems like it's the same, it seems like it's the same answer, the same, same pathway. Well, I don't want that pathway. You ever been there? You know, I'm, I don't want that pathway, so Lord, I'll keep praying, right? And it just seems like there is nothing more than the emphasis that he desires there. Jesus, when we ask him questions, when we come before him, everyone that experienced Jesus in the Holy, in the Holy Text, Jesus got to the heart of the matter. 
he got to the, the thing that the person really needed. Remember when he goes to the blind guy and he asks the blind guy, what is it that you need? What kind of question is that? You know, I mean, I'm like, the dude's blind. Lord, come on, be on with it. The woman at the well. We could easily say that, boy, I'm certainly glad that Jesus wasn't a jerk because he could go for the jugular. You have those obnoxious friends that just go for the jugular and you're like, well, okay, thank you. Thank you so much. Jesus is the word and he's now taking this teacher, the teacher, the one teacher, 6,071, one. He's saying now, let's get to the heart of the matter. How can someone be born again when they are old, Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter the second time in the mother's womb to be born? Jesus answered, very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and a spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh and spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at what I'm saying. You must be born again. The wind blows where it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it's going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. Now, the teacher of teachers who knows, knows how to debate, he knows the exercise of, of, of understanding, he knows the Mishnah, he knows the Torah, he knows, he knows all of this. And what's hard for us, sometimes we just fly by this. Because I'm not going to get into the depth of the passage as much as to the depth of what is happening in this experience for Nicodemus. Is that Nicodemus is, is hearing something and he's absorbing something. God, Jesus wants him to absorb it for the very, very first time. The teacher of teachers now is getting something new. When I was researching... I'll get into the weeds a little bit. There, what I, I just stopped at eight. Eight different interpretations of what this whole thing means, right? The spirit and the water and, you know, the, 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 two, the two classics are you're born of your mother, the embryonic fluid, and that's water birth, and now you need a spiritual birth. The other is you, you, need, to be, you need to experience the the cleansing the, of baptism, and then you receive the Holy Spirit. And then there are myriads of variations from there. The beautiful thing that he is teaching Nicodemus is that the teacher who wants to be perfect, right? Their righteousness, they watched everything. Now, some of Nicodemus' colleagues, maybe even Nicodemus in his own heart, have been, will be challenged by Jesus because Maybe they, maybe they thought they were something, and they certainly were. But they were nothing to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. He's desiring for them to, say, to understand that yours, you cannot do anything for your salvation. It is all going to be to the one who's having the conversation with you. You must be born again. The classic passage uh, Nicodemus says, how can this be? Nicodemus would not have understood church baptism. This had to be something that, that Nicodemus would have understood, 
And there is this beautiful passage in Ezekiel that Nicodemus would have known. It says this, I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all impurities and from all your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. God said there is going to be a day. Jesus was introducing that kingdom. That's what we've been studying in our Matthew series, is that the king has come on to the scene. Nicodemus and the teachers, in their hermeneutic, hermeneutic is the art and science of interpretation, in the way that they, they understood it, it was for the nation of Israel, that that passage Ezekiel is proclaiming for the nation of Israel. And Jesus, the word, teaching the teacher of Israel that is for all people. It's for all people. What a beautiful reflection of taking the one, right? Because if you can, you know, if you can get the one teacher, let's say that it was just a human strategy on Jesus' part. If you can get the leader of something, you'll stop a movement. If you get the leader of something and convince them, you'll change a movement. Jesus is wanting him to truly know that the gospel is for everyone. You see, I think that we must question him before we end up living on our assumptions instead of his answers. Oh, don't we do that? I've got my assumptions. Oh, you and I can debate all day long. But the two of us better go to the source, right? You see, when we question him, he, he desires to give us new truths. I believe this was a life-changing moment for Nicodemus. It does not say that they immediately found water and he was baptized. It doesn't say that, does it? But what we're going to see in this journey of Jesus, man, myth, Messiah, the, the, the gospel as Nicodemus is experiencing it, there is a life-changing beginning right here to the teacher. He says, you're Israel's teacher, and you do not understand these things? Verily, truly, I say and tell you, that is an amen, amen. In the Hebrew, that would be amen, amen. This is a done deal. Amen, amen, Nicodemus. You are so right. He says, we speak of what we know and we testify to what we have seen, but still you people do not accept our testimony. I have spoken to you earthly things and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? He says, no one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. Very quickly, in the book of Numbers, the people grumbled, and God sent poisonous snakes. Yeah, the Old Testament God did stuff like that to get their attention. And then Moses 
the people were getting bitten by the poisonous uh, snakes, and God instructs Moses to, to make a, a, a staff and put a snake on it. And then when the people would look at the snake, they would be saved. Jesus is taking what Nicodemus knows and then he uses, remember, he's coming to see who this man is. What is this man about? And Jesus takes it to a whole nother level by using the messianic verbiage that he is the son of man. He is now telling the teacher of teachers, you want to talk about fighting words? You want to talk about the mess that became Jesus and this group of leaders? That's what you see from the rest of the Gospels is they're trying to trap him, they're trying to question him, they're trying to get him to say it. He says it to Nicodemus, the son of man. I am the son of man. Son of man, for those that are new to Scripture, is saying that he is the Messiah. He is God incarnate. You see, we must talk to him privately before we can proclaim him publicly. Oh, you remember back in the day in the 70s when there was the guy with the, with the, the, the rainbow afro and he had the John 3.16, right? Next service is not even going to know this at all, okay? I'm just telling you. But we old timers can kind of remember the John 3.16, ah, you know. And we're like, what in the world, right? Jesus begins to, to just continue this journey with Nicodemus by saying, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only son. The beautiful part of Easter, the beautiful part of Resurrection Sunday in this season what we can continue to learn from Nicodemus is that, that, we, that Jesus desires to continue to pour in us new truths. But it is that truth that we must stand on. Friend, you may have embraced Jesus as a historical figure. You may say, no problem, he's a man. But you must also deal with the tension of what Jesus is saying to you. He says, no, I'm not just a man. I am fully God and I am fully man. And it is upon me that you can live and have eternity. No other number ones, only me. Friend, I, I know that there are some of you that may have, been, may, have, may have sat in a pew for a long, long time. And you still debated these things. It's in the quietness. It's in the secret place of your own heart. It's the questioning is of your own heart. I would suggest to you that you continue to ask God those questions. That you get through the tensions of understanding that maybe, maybe, quite frankly, some of the darkness that you experience is because you have not fully come into the light. You have not fully understood him and embraced him and given him yourself. You're in pain. You're in poisonous chaos. But yet, he desires for you to look up to him. And if you don't make it next week or the week after... I can only imagine that Nicodemus, when he would see that Roman cross, whether Jesus was hoisted up by ropes or 
It was the hoisting of the entire apparatus and then down into a hole. I can only imagine that, G, that, that Nicodemus is sitting here going, as the Son of Man is lifted up, he takes care of all the poison, all the chaos. Friend, submit yourself to the one. Open yourself up to continuing to learn. And then for the rest of us that know this story, the beautiful thing about Nicodemus is he was an introvert. So he's a proof that we don't have to be this crazy evangelist. We just need to be bringing truth to our neighbors, bringing truth to our children. And through that, people can be born from above. Friends, if you have not made that decision, you may have settled as a believer, but yet you have not been obedient in baptism. We would love to be able to, to allow you to mature within his word, to do what he's asked you to do. Believe and be baptized for the forgiveness of your sin. And then, as he said in Ezekiel, the spirit will indwell you. And then he will allow you to be righteous through what he's doing, not anything that you can do. You may have looked at religion or Christianity as just a bunch of to-dos. Sometimes we've made it that way. Sometimes we have. But I'm going to suggest to you that it's everything that Jesus has done. Nicodemus is a great example for us. Father, thank you so much for the time and your word. Thank you for getting me through this message. You know, I've been praying all morning. Thank you. God, we just ask that you would continue to stir within us our, our gifts, our salvation. But most importantly, whether we need to ask you the questions that you're going to lead us to yourself or the questions of children who are already in and indwelled by your spirit. Father, may we be open and honest with you in our own darkness. The darkness that can kind of encompass us, but also just the darkness of misunderstanding. God, continue to grow us. We thank you for Jesus, who was lifted up, conquered sin and death, and then rose victoriously so that our faith is sure and right and that our eternal hope continues to sustain us. We thank you. In the precious name of Jesus, amen.